we're glad to have you this morning. I got the right mic pack now and we're, we're ready. But, uh, hey, thank you for, for being here. As I said, we are transitioning from, uh, the series we've been in actually, uh, uh, a focus for about the last six months of trying to remind ourselves that following Christ is more than just about us, that, that we need to give ourselves over to Him. We're going to finish our series today, and then we're moving into Lent, which is a time of reflection and listening, and we're going to do this church-wide thing. And uh, I, I'm, what I'm hoping to do today is close out what we've been doing and set the table for where we, where we are headed. And the, the, the theme of where we've been has been it's not personal. And in that, we, uh, we have been reminding ourselves that while God's love for us is extremely personal, I mean, don't, don't make a mistake. He doesn't love humanity in general. He loves you. He loves you personally. He knows everything about you. There, there has never been a moment in your life. There's not a situation you've ever been in. Uh, there's not a, a challenge you're going to go through in which he's not present. You guys do music like that makes me emotional. <laughs> I got to gather myself again. He's always with us. He loves you desperately. Everything in creation is aimed at getting your attention. All the events of the world, all the blessings you've had are ways that he's been trying to say, look, I love you. Look, you're important. His, his love for you could not be more personal than it is. And in, in return, what he asks from us is not some general kind of, I believe in God. No, he wants us to have an intimate personal relationship with him as well. One in which we seek him in every aspect of our life, that we love him heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we spend time in prayer and time in listening and time in study and time in community, anything and everything we can do to get to know him better. That part is very, very personal. But the results of that are not meant to be that once you have that relationship, that now you build a tent there and live there for the rest of your life. No, the, the, the results and, and actually the teaching of the Scriptures is that that is not the end goal. That's the beginning of a mission that we are now in to join hands with Christ, to be His hands and feet for the world, to be at walking advertisements of who God is and how much He loves so other people can know that as well. While the, the relationship is personal, it's not meant to stay personal. It's meant to be shared widely. And we're going to, this morning, we're going to wrap all that together. And in doing so, I want to use one of the most foundational passages of the New Testament. It's Matthew 28, uh, verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And if you have your Bible and you don't have this underlined, do this. Uh, because this, as I said, this is one of the most foundational passages we have. We got it? Here we go. Matthew 28, there we go. Matthew 28 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. If you'll go back to verse 18 there, we're going to, we're going to spend some time in this. So uh, many of us, you grew up uh, in church thinking uh, that the end goal was to be a member of a church, right? The reason we follow Jesus and, and we measure that by, do you go to church? Are you a member of a church? And, and, I'll get to why church is important in just a minute, but, but don't, don't get hung up there. You're, the whole goal is not about gathering butts and seats and seeing and measuring that, which is what so many of us do and so many denominations do. And it's, it's why the church has lost its luster because we're more worried about how many people we can gather in our fort, our fort that protects us from the evil world out there, our fort that defines and makes us better than the rest of the world out there, our fort that's amen, that has all the amenities that we like and, and the styles that we like so that while we're living in the fort, we can pat ourselves on the back that we have such a nice fort. That's not what the end goal is. The, you know that. you grew up. We grew up teaching this. And right from the beginning, we teach kids wrong, right? Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors and see all the... There's your church, folks. It's in the church. It's the people in church. Raise your hand. You're in the church. You're, everybody's in the church. Good, good for you, right? No! There doesn't need to be a church and a steeple. The last part we get right. This whole thing called church, this whole thing that God has for us, this mission that we are called to is not about a building. It's about a movement. You are not in church. You are the church. And one of the reasons that we struggle is because we have a love of brick and mortar and carpet and mildew and dust and everything else that goes with the building. We love our building so much that we lose sight of what church really is. Church is people who love God and who are called into that. Let me, let me help us in that. We're going to walk through this, this passage. It starts out, um, Jesus came and told all his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Why is that important? Because it's a, it's a good reminder for us. Here, here's, here's the statement. Jesus is Lord. And I know you've heard that before. I made Jesus my Lord when I was eight years old. I invited him to be the Lord of my life. Okay, I don't care if you believe it or not. Jesus is Lord. Whether, we, whether you buy into it or not, whether your neighbor believes it or not, whether agnostics believe it or not, whether uh, Putin believes it or not, Jesus Christ, is Lord. He's Lord. He always, and he says, he's teaching his disciples, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given me. I am Lord. I have all authority, all authority, all authority. And even for people that don't believe it, we're told in the New Testament that someday when he rips back into history and steps back into history, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because once the mask is pulled back and once the curtain is open, there won't be any denying it. There won't be any arguing over, well, I don't believe in Jesus. It's going to be, there's Jesus and he's Lord. 
we should have paid attention. Right? He is Lord. That's the first half of the statement. Here's, here's where you need to tune in and I need to tune in. It's not just that He's Lord, but here's the question. Is He your Lord? Is He your Lord? Because if He is Lord, then I'm His servant, not His advisor. Then I am the one who does what He says. And as this is at the end of His earthly ministry. This is after He's been crucified. He had told the guys, meet me on the mountain. The eleven gather there. It said, when they saw Him, they worshipped and some doubted. And he said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given me. In other words, I'm God, I'm Lord. Then he's going to give a command, which is basically saying, so am I your Lord? Because if I am, here's what I want you to do. If he is Lord, is he your Lord? Because if he's your Lord, it's no longer your plans or your comfort or your likes or your dislikes. It's he's Lord. I'm servant. He says, jump, I say, how high? He says, go, I say, how far? He's Lord. I'm servant. I can't answer that question for you, but it's a question that every one of us needs to ask. It's not enough to know that Jesus is Lord. That's obvious. And it will become more and more obvious the more history plays itself out. He is Lord. But is He your Lord? Is He your Lord? So He says, disciples, you've been following me. You've watched me. You've heard me. You've you've seen me. You saw everything I did. Now, I want you, this is not just for you, disciples. I want you to now take what I gave you and push it into the world. Go to the next verse. Therefore, what's the word? Yeah. Therefore, go and make disciples. We need to read that again. Therefore, go. Right? Therefore, go. Therefore, go. Right? We've spent 50-some years, 150 years, 250 years making it. Therefore, come and potluck and drink coffee and eat donuts. And pat yourself on the back and listen to good music and, 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 and get your buddies and, and come enjoy our fort. Come. And from the very beginning, the Lord who gave us a command, we turned it to our own advantage. He said, I don't want you to stay on your comfortable ground. I want you to go. I want you to go. Therefore, Go. And so at the beginning, the mission of the church is not about come. It's about go. Go. I'm your Lord. You've seen me. You know me. You know what I'm about. You know what I do. Now, therefore, since I'm Lord and you're, you've made me my, your Lord, I want you to go. To do what? To make disciples of All nations. All nations. And that's not about borders and flags. That's about, that's about race and, and money and lifestyle and every kind of diversity you can think about. It's about people. I want you, there is no home team in this. There's no preferred group. There's no favorited sons and daughters. It's for anyone and everyone. And the messengers are 
you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all nations, all people. You don't get to, to pick and choose. It's for anyone and everyone. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then here, this is so amazing. As he's telling us how to do this thing of gathering people and developing what is the church. And remember, church biblically is a verb, not a noun. It's a mission. It's It's not a location. As he's telling us, he doesn't start with, make sure they believe the right things. Make sure they know all the right thing. Make sure they can pass the test. Make sure they fill out a pledge card. Make sure that they came from the right denomination. Make sure that there's none of that. He starts with the most intimate of things. Baptize them. Baptize them. And in order to get this, I need to do a little sacramental theology with you. Okay? Baptism is more than just the forgiveness of sins. That's certainly a part of baptism. That, that it's the repentance of me of saying, I'm a sinner. I need the new life of Christ. And I die to my old self and I'm raised to life with Him. But there's another part of baptism that, and an important part of baptism, which is it's an initiation into the family of God. It's, it's receiving His, His stamp on, on me. I belong to Him. I'm not David of the world anymore. I am now David, son of God. I, I now am and a brother to Jesus Christ. I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I belong to His family. Lori, my wife, is baptized. Is baptized. She was baptized too, but she was adopted. She was adopted. And when they got her, when she was a little girl, every year they don't just celebrate her birthday, but they also celebrate her gotcha day. Right? Because that was significant. And and when they got her, they don't have a yearly vote. Are we going to keep her? <laughs> right? No, because once they got you, you're in. You belong. You belong. And so in order to, to make disciples of all nations, remember, disciples aren't church members. Disciples are followers of Jesus, people who have submitted themselves to the Lord, people who say, He's Lord, I'm servant. Disciples, in order to make disciples of all nations, we don't start with theology and doctrine. We start with relationship and intimacy. Isn't that fascinating? It's beautiful if you think about it. That you take this most intimate setting, the family dinner table, and say, I want you to invite everyone to have a seat at the dinner table. I want everyone to know they belong. That's what church starts with. It's not the, the different names and the battles we have and the arguments we have over our doctrines and stuff. We'll, we'll come to some of that later. I don't think any of that has a, the prominence we've given it. But there is a place for theology and doctrine. But in, it, the intimacy and love and acceptance, which isn't that what Jesus demonstrated in His ministry. And, and here's the argument for, for many of us Pharisees is, well, if we just go around inviting people in, we're going to end up with a, with a diluted version of Christianity. You're gonna, we're going to get infected by them, which is an Old Testament way of thinking. 
A lot of the Old Testament regulations was about guarding yourself from being infected by the sin around you. And a lot of the holiness uh, procedures and everything were around that. That if you touch something unclean, it made you unclean. And so you didn't, you didn't hang around a leper or you didn't touch someone who had an issue of blood because that made you unclean. There was this fear of being unclean. That's why when Jesus did his ministry and touched a leper or touched the woman with a bleeding issue or went into places and talked to a tax collector and, and other people like that, that's why the people were all, what are you doing? We don't hang out with people like that. And Jesus brought a new message. Old Testament, you don't touch things because they'll make you dirty. New Testament, Jesus says, I'm not worried about being dirty. I'm going to make them clean. See, New Testament church isn't worried about us getting infected by the dirt. New Testament theology is, no, you go infect the dirt with the light. That's who we're called to be. Whatever Jesus touches becomes holy. It becomes new. It becomes beautiful. So go make disciples of all nations that are going to have different ideas and different ways of life and different things. That's all right. Introduce them to me. Bring them into the family. Bring them into the family. Give them a place to belong. We begin with intimacy and relationship. Then we move. Well, let me, before I move on. And then he says, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times when we read that, we just read that like loving, loving kisses Jesus Christ. Right? The Monica salute to benediction, right? That's, we read it like that, but that's, there's more to it like than that. This is, this is fascinating to me. Not only does Jesus begin his movement with a radical invitation to anyone and everyone and say, bring them to the family, bring them into the table. But then he says, if you do that, put my name on it. Because that's who I am. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Even even in that, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's community. That's relationship. And he said, if you're doing that, put my name on it. Put my name on it. If you're gathering and, and having that kind of relationship in your community and with people, put my name on it. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Because where, where two are gathered in my name, there I am also. Fascinating. It, it, it's just amazing to me how far we've, we've lost the picture of what church is supposed to be. Because of, we, we, we like our traditions and stuff, and, and just, it, it just always cracks me up when people say, oh, we need to do it like they did in the Bible, and I want to say, then burn the building down because they didn't have a building. Funny that the people who always want me to read the Bible never read it themselves. Right? The the picture of the church is not bring them into a building to exclude and to define membership and non-membership. It's bring them into the family and have a seat at the table and let's do life. And from that, we'll begin to, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit in the way we think, which leads us into the next stage. Once you have a relationship, once intimacy has been there, next verse, now teach the new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Now we teach. And this is where church, the way we do it, comes in. This is what church is meant to be. It's meant to be a place where we come to learn and to share and to grow and to be prodded and challenged. 
We don't all have to think the same way. We don't all have to... We, we, there's a standard that we teach from, which is the Holy Word of God, but we do that with the understanding that none of us perfectly understand it. And therefore, we need one another to sharpen as iron sharpens others. And I need to hear your opinion. You need to hear mine. I don't have to agree with you, but I don't need to get mad at you either. But through that, through Bible study, through uh, through fellowship, through uh, covenant groups, through all those things that we do, now we're beginning to, to have our mind shaped under the influence. Because remember, we've already established Christian community. We're not just we're not just going AWOL and doing whatever we want. There's a Christ-centered community that we're doing this in. And in that, now he'll help us to shape how to think about him. And then given, given us the assurance that you're not alone in this, remember I'm with you always even to the end of the age. This is what church is meant to be. We gather here not to to hide ourselves in the fort from the dirty world out there, but we gather here to tell the stories of Jesus and learn more about Jesus so that as we go back out into the world, we we are walking out with with the ability to, to speak Jesus into the world around us and to live Jesus into, and to love the, the the presence of Jesus into the world around us. That's the Great Commission. That's our mission. It's not personal. It's not have a personal uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. Spend personal time in your Bible. Spend personal time in prayer. Those are all good disciplines that I hope you'll practice. But that's not the end goal. The end goal is that those help light the flame and the fuel to fulfill the mission which happens in the world around us as we go into all the world. This last week we had an executive team meeting. We've we've uh, we've got a new some new members on executive team. So the, for the first couple meetings we've been talking and, and we're we're centering around uh, this this question of what what's next what's next and 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 let me help uh, help track something out so you can see what I'm talking about. About 15 years ago in this church, uh, the leadership had what they called holy conversations. And there was a lot of prayer and study around that and and some consulting and looking and stuff. And out of that came this idea and and this this need that the church was too inward reflective and needed to open its doors to the community around us, right? And 15 years ago, there was no way they would know what the consequences of that was going to be. All they knew is we're going to change something in church. It's going to make people mad, right? Because that's what happens when you change something in church. If you haven't been a member of church, let me help you. Any any time we change, you're supposed to go, ah! <laughs> so, and they got some of that, Right? But they went forward with it anyway. And, and at the early day, and, and that was 15 years ago. And, and now you look 15 years ahead and what was once one of our greatest weaknesses is now the greatest strength of this church. Why? Because some leadership under godly counsel and prayer pushed our, tri- our, our chips into what matters. Let me help you understand how much that, that makes a difference in who we are. Fifteen years ago, there was no food ministry. Now, in the name of our food ministry, carries a, a lot of strength in this connotation. 
It's called mustard seed, which begins as a little thing. And mustard seed, when it first started, was in a closet with a shelf and some canned goods for a couple people. And now mustard seed is what we do on Mondays at Light on the Hill at Mount Wesley, which was another further investment of this church of a risky proposition to take on a, a, a place and a, and a thing that was imploding and costing the conference tons and tons of money and putting us at risk. And we did it anyway. And from that, now every Monday we have a food ministry that happens. And at the end of every month, we do a food bank which feeds people from all over Kerr County and has done so well and powerfully that San Antonio Food Bank sends people from their organization to see how we do it so they can be trained in how to do it right. What started as an idea grew because they had decided to look outside the walls. And I think we're at another place where we've got that settled. We're working toward that. We can still continue to develop that. But I think we're at a place where it's time for the church to say, now here's our next investment. And that's what we're praying about and, 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 t- and, and, and hoping for and listening for. And over this time, we hope you'll be in prayer of, for that as well. What's the next thing that God wants us to invest in? And already there's some early talk around it. And I don't know where it's going to go, but I think it's going to have this element to it. We need to do better at making disciples. Okay? Not members. Not Methodists. Not even Christians. But disciples. Right? With all this outreach and all this touch that we're doing out there, it's good to feed the hungry. We've just preached about that for two weeks. It's good to feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty. But at some point, you also need to teach them the source of water and food, Jesus Christ. And for our, for our church, how do we move from a mentality of being served to serving on behalf of Christ? How do we move from the mentality to come to go? Can you put that picture that I have up on up there? I'm going to look on it as my phone because I don't have my glasses. I can't read that far. So I have these two, and these are very generic, and I'm using them to make a point. I don't want to argue over the details of it. But two different ways of looking at church. And uh, over the last 50 years, uh, the American church has really sort of centered in on the consumer church mentality. Church is seen as a dispenser of religious goods and services. People come to church to be fed, to have their needs met through quality programs, usually led by clergy, and to have professionals teach their children about God. And that that sort of church is, the, the, the buzzword for that is, I go to church. And that's why you leave a church, is because if they're not feeding you or doing a good job of, having professionally run programs and you go find someone that's better at the Six Flags Over Jesus thing. The other way of looking at church, which I think goes, it's interesting as you do reading on this, It's this is the emerging language. I don't think it's emerging. I think it's reflecting back to what the church was meant to be originally. The missional church is a body of people sent on a mission 
who gather in community for worship, community encouragement, and teaching from the Word in addition from what they are self-feeding themselves throughout the week. And the buzzword for this would be, I am the church. See, discipleship is, uh, is when I heard that Jesus loved me no matter what. And I was attracted to that. And then over the years, the church has nurtured me in that. I had Sunday school teachers and youth leaders and, and small group leaders and pastors and, and, and lay people that have loved me despite my weaknesses and in that and stuff. All of that has been drawing me towards this, this sort of center core of committed, committed uh, disciplehood. I'm still on my way there. But the, the, the whole idea of, of, of that is not to get there and sort of set up camp and live there forever. It's meant that as I get closer and closer to that core of understanding who Jesus is, that it, it sends me back out into the world to be his hands and feet so I can share it with someone else. Disciples make disciples. That's why he gathered them on the hill and he said, go. They were already disciples. They already believed in him. They already had spent three years with him. Out of everybody, they had the closest relationship with him. If it was just about a personal relationship, he would have said, hey guys, I need you to build a city, put a wall around it, and make sure anybody that comes in, don't let them mess, mess up what you already have. No, it was, now I want you to take what you've seen in me and go spread it in the world. Disciples make disciples. And the missional model of church is when we move from just seeing what we need and what we want and how we get fed to turning around to how then now do I go back out and as I come back to the circle next time, I'm going to have friends with me who are then going to go out with me and we're just going to continue that circle of discipleship. I think that's going to be the new paradigm of church. It's going to be less and less about buildings. It's going to be less and less about hourly gatherings. It's going to be more and more about community. It's going to be more and more about relationship. It's going to be more and more about devoted discipleship. Therefore, have all, all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Oh God, we have spent a lot of time and effort trying to remind ourselves what this, this whole thing called Christianity is about and the fundamentals of it. And we, we're, we're still so far. And, and we, we, we still have so much to learn. But God, you have given us enough to know that it's not about us, it's about you. And we are not in any way saying that this church isn't doing effective ministry. We are just saying, God, to whom much is given, much is expected. You have blessed us so richly and we want to be a blessing to those around us. We want other people to know how good you are as well. So as we enter this Lenten season, God, with our ears open, our hearts open, speak new life into us. Give us a new vision. Give us those areas of reflection. Give us, give us that energy we need to do ministry in your name for the coming day. 
in a world ravaged by COVID and war and violence and racism. The church is not defeated. It's We just need to refocus. Because the church is the hope of the world. Because you have all authority. Jesus is Lord. And we pray that in his powerful name, amen.